Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Train, Eat, Repeat podcast. So glad you're here with me this week. We are going to change gears a little bit. I had the chance to sit down with one of my good buddies, Damon Miles. Uh, been in the fitness industry for a long time. Fantastic trainer, fantastic individual. But with current situations happening around the country right now and around the world, wanted to get his thoughts. He is an African-American male in this country in the year 2020 and with much unrest uh, regarding the death of George Floyd. Wanted to get his take on the process. We also got to talk a little bit about fitness, how he's been approaching things during the pandemic shutdown, and then we also finished up with with a little bit of bourbon talk too because we're both bourbon connoisseurs. So look forward to that, a little bit different, and then next week we'll be back to our normal cadence, again talking everything around training, nutrition, and recovery, mindfulness, and practices. If you didn't listen to the last week's episode, you can go back and listen to episode five. We talked about cardio, why it's important, what it is, and how you incorporate it into your program. We talked about the cheat meal, sort of the unicorn of the diet world. When should you have it, and why is it an important piece in making sure that you stay on track towards your goals? And then we talked about arguably the most underrated performance enhancer that there is out there, sleep. How many hours per night is optimal? What we need to do in order to get ourselves into that deep rested state so that we can recover, perform better, and think clearer. So without further ado, here's my sit-down talk with Damon Miles. If you haven't already, please go on to Apple Podcasts or onto Spotify, leave a review and a five-star. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Well, Damon, thanks so much for for joining me. Um, for those the listeners that don't know, I've known Damon for probably four years. I think uh, not that I'm I'm counting or anything like that. I'm not going to count the days and the minutes, but um, just a really genuine guy um, to me really walks the walk, talks the talk when it comes down to health and wellness, um, is a bourbon connoisseur, which is right up my alley. Uh, and I've just enjoyed a lot of good times uh, with this guy. But Damon, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to get on with me. Um, obviously, we're doing this virtually because we're still uh, social distancing, but um, super good to to sit down with you. And for the listeners that don't know you, um, can you give us just a little bit of your your background in the, the health and wellness field and um, just sort of uh, who you are? Well, um, obviously, my name is Damon. So uh, thank you for inviting me to this podcast, Tyler. Appreciate it. Um, Damon Miles, uh, my background is fitness. Uh, I, have, I specialize in sports, uh, nutrition as well. I'm about to get my uh, uh, PN, my certification for Precision Nutrition, which is uh, to be a certified nutritionist. Um, Background as far as uh, health, wellness, and sports uh, really started when, of course, like most people uh, who really get into this, uh, some sort of athlete of some sort. Uh, In my case, I played track and field, and of course, uh, my love was football. Um, Came really close to getting that shot in the the limelight with the NFL, but a car accident kind of brought me to a humbling halt. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there because uh, definitely things work out how they're supposed to work out because I found my calling, which was giving back and helping a lot of the youth, um, you know, see their dreams and, you know, seeing the, the big stars and things like that. But it goes beyond that as well. Um, I love to help 
not just uh, the athletic uh, individual in the community or, you know, at my job, but as well as the, the younger, the older generation. Um, I love helping regardless of whoever you are, as long as you want to get better uh, from a health, from a athletic, from a physical standpoint. Um, it's all it's all rolled up in one not one ball, in my personal opinion. But um, I work at Lifetime Fitness. Um, I've worked with you, like yeah, roughly four four years. But I've been in the fitness industry uh, going on 18 years. Um, I did a lot of training off the books, and I worked with a lot of athletes, uh, coaching them strength conditioning, um, uh, physical physical drills, um, athletic drills, and helping them with their nutrition, which is number one. So, I mean, with the whole pandemic going on, um, I think one thing I can say um, that I think people will be more keen on going forward is it really comes down to health. You know, whether you believe it's a hoax, whether you don't believe it's a hoax, whether you think it's just a flu, whether you think it's whatever. Bottom line is our bodies are number one. You know, a lot of things in life you can control. Um, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of things in life you can't control, you know, your job, you know, you can't really, you don't really know if it's going to be, you know, in place for X amount of years. You can't really control your relationships. You can do as best as you can. Um, and of course, that's a two way street. But unfortunately, things happen. But your health is one thing of few things in this world that you can actually take pride in and take you know control of. So I think after this quarantine, the whole COVID thing is going over. It, it should be the focal, for, focal uh, point going forward. And to that point, I think you bring up a, an awesome point in the sense that, you know, times like these where uh, the immunocompromised individuals or population are the ones that are hit the hardest. And in some cases, some people who have healthy immune systems are, are having a hard time with this COVID pandemic. Um, what is the biggest, I guess, silver lining that possibly could come from this? Is it do you really think that people will invest more in their health? I personally think, yes. Um, it. I mean, what else? What else could you take out of it? I mean, if you look at the numbers, you know. I, granted, you know, people are going to roll their eyes when they when people say numbers, but it did affect not just the ones with the pre-existing conditions, but it also affected people who weren't as active. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, it affected a lot of people who were considered to be overweight or obese. So it, you know, and the ones personally that I knew they got affected, um, yeah, they had some, you know, symptoms, but a lot of them bounced back and none of them, you know, got, you know, tremendously ill, you know. So to me, that plays a part, whether, you know, depending on your beliefs, you know, or how, how you know, you feel about it. But it has to be number one going forward. You know, I know. Uh, a previous president Obama, you know, he was talking about, you know, the health system and where he wanted to go and um, not to get all political, but a lot of people roll their eyes at it. But the truth of the matter is, you know, obesity is rising. So if obesity is rising, then healthcare is rising, rising and people are dying. And, you know, that does affect it, you know, the economic community uh, world, you know, going forward. So, I really hope that is the focal point. And granted, this is things that we do for a living and we know the importance of it. Um, 
it's it's still amazing. I grew up in the inner city of Detroit. A lot of people say they're from Detroit, but they're from suburbs or outside of Detroit. One thing I can say is a lot of people who are there now, family, friends, don't have a clue or the slightest idea of what steps to do to live a healthy lifestyle. Now, granted, that can have so many different meanings, but you'll be amazed at just the things that they aren't privileged to knowing or don't have resources, you know, in their own community to live a healthy lifestyle, you know? So I think that's important because if that is still present in this day and time, then there's work that needs to be done. So, so where do we start? You know, I think you're right. I think that a lot of your own health relies on you to gather information. Um, and a lot of times the information that's out there is pretty poor. And you and I both know that. I think we, uh, we've rolled our eyes a few times whenever we look at a, at a post on Instagram or, or Facebook or YouTube because we know what they're putting out there is just false. Right. I, I even mm-hmm. like how on your Instagram profile, it says a real personal trainer, um, you know, as opposed to somebody who uh, got great results and has a six pack and they think they're the fitness guru. Right. But, mm-hmm. but ultimately I think you're right. I think it starts with yourself, but then your ability to get the information you need to make healthier choices, right? And it's not going to happen overnight, but but how do people make that transition then? Well, one gap I see that's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's definitely present regardless of what class, economic class you grew up in or what city, whether it's a thriving, you know, Bloomfield Hills, you know, high end, you know, large homes, you know, great, a lot of money went into those cities versus the cities that aren't, that are still struggling, like the Detroit, the Flints, you know, um, a few more. But one thing that's, I would say that's consistent with that is the education. So whether it's in the, the elementary, the middle school or high school, however these uh, um, uh, grades are classified. I've never had a health class. You know, sure, my first health class was college, you know, and I was a trainer for years. And when I started really educating myself, meaning I do the research is when I really started learning. So it's not taught and you only know what you know. So mm-hmm. if it's not taught to you, you know, then how how can you be privileged to that information? So I think it should definitely start in the education system, you know, because our, you know, the children is the future. But more importantly, it needs to be now this example is more so for the inner city of Detroit. There's no great or good thriving gyms. You have a YMCA, you have a couple of mom and pop gyms, but commercial industry gyms are a little larger scale and they do bring in, you know, a bigger crowd. So there's no gyms, there's no fresh grocery stores that I see that are really, really, you know, quality, you know, and have quality products and et cetera. So it's, it starts with what's around you, you know, the better health stores, the the more vegan stores, because, you know, of course the vegan community preaches a lot of health, um, and a lot of, uh, well, you get what I'm trying to say, but bottom line is it really starts 
at, at a younger age, though, and it needs to be more access of health, um, nutrition foods uh, or healthy clinics or places that are around everyone. So, I mean, you, you can start there. But then again, one thing I will say to bring it to my point, like how many burger commercials do you see? How many McDonald's or, you know, like like juice commercials for kids? You don't see too many gyms as, you know, advertised or too many fitness facilities, or they do no type of advertising locally for community sports and things like that. So I think that's dying as well, too, because kids aren't moving as much. Well, so. and there's no there's no media commercials, to your point, for for spinach or uh, grass fed beef or no. you know fruit. Right. I mean, there there is definitely a, a marketing element to it and a money making element to it, which is sad because it, it truly is making people unhealthy. And to your point, people don't know what you don't know, right? If you don't know the the practices or the principles behind healthier lifestyle, or you don't know what optimal feels like because you've never been there, right? So you just think because everybody else around you, your sphere of influence, they're all the same. They're all eating the same things that, that you're completely fine. But I, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head that it, it does come down to the fact that we do need to put more of an emphasis on education, more of an emphasis on physical moving through sports and, and things like that. Um, and I think too, like, like doing your own diligence, right? And I, I get that, you know, you might not know what you need, but I think there is good information out there now when it comes to living a healthier lifestyle. And like, to your point though, they just might not have access to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the next 20 commercials that you watch or whoever is listening, count how many commercials are geared towards living a healthier lifestyle. You know, like there, there's not a lot. So how, do, what would people, what would you suggest to people, you know, uh, and this comes around to a bigger issue in terms of media consumption, right? I was reading a, an article the other day, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, he said that the average American spends 11 hours per day uh, consumed in some type of media. So that might be TV, that might be cell phones, that might be, um, you know, billboard advertisements as a form of media. Uh, and he said, the problem is we're not connecting anymore. We're not, um, you know, trying to talk to people and, and ed educate them and get to know them. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts around, you know, the CEO of Apple, he wants you to use their devices is saying basically, hey, we probably need to back it down just a little bit and how it pertains to, you know, so we're, sort of what we're talking about, that there are so many different voices out there telling people what to do or what the best thing to do is when it comes to health and wellness. So your question is, what, wait, re re rephrase that. So just, you know, obviously media plays a huge role in our society and Correct. the there's a lot of bad information out there and there's a lot of marketing schemes to make you think something is healthy when it's actually not or just flat out not healthy. And it's just, you know, they're there to, to make the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way to combat that or are there ways that you've worked with your clients to, you know, have them not pay attention to all the noise, if you will? That is an interesting question. And um, regardless of what I say, there's more than one answer to that question. Um, one thing I can say is uh, for anyone who is out there who is, um, I'll use the word lost 
confused or just over, I mean, just overwhelmed with so much information. You have to start by reaching out to someone physically that you trust, you admire. Maybe you want to maybe one day look like them from a, a, a aesthetic standpoint. But you have to start asking questions because you can look up any nowadays, 10 different people can have 10 different uh, answers and they can be all right in their own weird ways. So that's overwhelming. So I would say maybe hire someone, uh, whether whether they're a, a personal trainer, um, depending on if you need someone for physical therapy, whether it's Pilates, like it's, it's good to get into someone's face first. Now, a lot of times we meet clients and I mean, even me is as good as I am or good as I want to claim to be as a trainer. Not everybody's going to be a great fit for you. You know, you're pretty good, Damon. I think uh, I know you're <laughs> humble and that's what I love about you. But you're a damn good trainer, man. Yeah. But but my point is that particular person who chose to leave me for whatever reasons, it, it maybe it didn't coincide with their philosophy. Maybe maybe it wasn't a right fit. So I encourage everyone to get out there and see what fits for you, because it's hard for me to answer that question when one person's a vegan, one person prefers meat, one person likes to do CrossFit, one person likes to do bodybuilding, one person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one thing about life, no one will ever know every answer, but you have to try out so many different things and see what fits for you. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect fit, but it's something that's perfect for you. So right. just like saying the, the perfect diet is the diet that works for you. Right. Yep. So I encourage people to try to educate themselves as much as possible, but, but ask the questions not to, to Wikipedia or Google, but I mean, ask, ask someone who's seen results like, Hey, who do you talk to? Who's your coach? Who, who's guide you? Like I need help. Like it's, it all starts somewhere, you know? I mean, but that's that's just an approach, you know, because, I mean, you can easily open up an Instagram page and pick the, the cutest girl or the, or the guy with the biggest muscles and just start following them or getting a diet plan. But they might not be the person for you. You know, ask questions, ask questions. Why did you how did you get that way? You know, some people are 21 years old. And I mean, obviously, they have not been doing it their whole life. But that same 21 year old can eat a pizza and still look great. Maybe you need to talk to someone who's a little older. You know, maybe you need to talk to someone with with your background who grew up in the same city or maybe the same state. Like you have to find connections, one, and then ask those questions and then go from there if it's not a good fit. Well, and I, I think what you're what you're getting at from a, a macro view or a bigger picture view is, is just the element of human connection. Right. Like and that was kind of my whole thing around media is like we spend so much time inundated with different messages and different different, um, you know, causes and different uh, met methodologies on how to approach health and wellness. And we're talking specifically health and wellness, but it could be about anything. But but you're getting to a bigger point is ask questions, connect with somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not only just good for the, for the fact that you're trying to collect information, but also good from the perspective, from a, from just a, a mind wellness aspect. Um, we were meant to communicate. Right. Um, and obviously during this quarantine, it, it sort of put us in a, in a shelter mode. And I just want to make sure that people realize that we have to still get out there. Right. 
So I want to I want to flip uh, topics a little bit. And those are people that don't know you. You are a, a proud, prominent African-American man. And this sort of ties in with the media. Obviously, if people have been watching the news, actually, you can't avoid it now. Um, mass protests um, across the country right now um, in in uh, protesting the death of George Floyd. Um, if you don't know that name, I, I don't know how you don't. You must be under a rock. But I, I'm just curious from the perspective of somebody who um, is an African-American himself and, and obviously has family members uh, that live in the city of Detroit, uh, where some of the riots have happened and the protesting. Just what are your overall feelings um, with everything going on right now? Well, um, I have enough pretty much to talk hours about that situation, but I'm going to try to narrow it down as best as I can. My overall feelings is pretty much every emotion known to man. Um, I'm happy in some ways that people are, whether it's right or wrong, trying to make awareness or point out attention. I'm sad because what's what can be perceived as, you know, a good thing to some people, it's, it could be perceived much, much worse because bottom line is people are protesting and not everybody is down there for the right reasons, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So sure. this is what happens when you don't listen to people, unfortunately. Um, and I, the only thing I tell people lately, because I've gotten a lot of messages, I said, listen, the only thing I can tell you to do, now granted me, singular person, a solo person cannot change the world. I can maybe put a dent in it, but no way in the world. It has to be a collective effort. But what I'm telling people right now, if people saying, what can I do, Damon? What can I do? You know, I, I, I know what you're going through, I, I, you know. I sympathize, you know, you can't empathize. You can definitely sympathize what, what you're going through. But I'm telling people to just, just listen. And I feel like, I think we started the conversation off by active, talking about active listening. People don't know what that means. You know, I see two people going, going at it, arguing, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, they're, they're fighting. One is talking over the other. The other one is yelling, talking over the other. Now, I stop and I look and I, and I think there's two people, two people. How come those two people can't come up to a decision? You know what I mean? And it's just like that. Imagine millions of people with so many different opinions. So this is a extremely hard topic. And there's so many things that need to go into this as far as fixing our country from a standpoint of uh, racism, from a standpoint of division, from a standpoint of just being a black man, sometimes I feel that I'm less of a man because of how society sometimes portrays me, you know? So I tell people, just listen, you know, what if you had to walk around feeling less of a man? I told that to one guy, you know, I said, what if you had to go through the scrutinies that some people just have not gone through? And the other day on Memorial Day, I was out in Pinckney, Michigan, Pinckney, Michigan. I could walk around for five hours straight and still not see another person of color. <laughs> so I'm talking to one of my buddies out there 
And this was before the whole George Floyd thing. And this is this is regular. This is, uh, you know, it relates to it. So we were talking and this is the nicest guy in the world. The problem is he lives in his own bubble. And what I mean by that is he, he said, I don't think racism is still that is around like like it used to. And I almost bit my tongue off. Because the old me would have just been like yelling, like, why would you why would you say something so insensitive? But I stopped and I thought for a second and I thought that the reason why he said that, because he's obviously not racist. I wouldn't be talking to anyone who hates not just black people, but any other any people. You know, I, I don't speak. I don't associate with black people who hate white people. But. What, what spoke out to me, to him in that situation was that he lives in his own bubble, that he doesn't see it. So he's not aware of it or it's not at his front door affecting him. And I right. think he's not exposed to it enough to to realize there's a problem. And it almost kind of ties. It's a totally different topic, but ties into you talked about, you know, inner cities, not having the education around health and you don't know what you don't know. Right. So in this case, it it very well could be ignorance. Is that where you think it's coming from or stemming from in terms of not being in that sort of uh, not seeing it on the daily, or if you do see it, you're seeing it on the news. Ignorance will be probably the perfect word because it's not stupidity because it's just lack of knowing, you know Um, what I love and hate about social media. I mean, it's, it's a great outlet to get people aware of what's happening around not just the United States, but the world uh, It's actually been used to urge a lot of cases to get, you know, to to actually open up in regards to uh, officers, you know, treating people with brutality as far as arresting them. But social media can also be an echo chamber. It could be just nothing but dabs and shakes. And honestly, it can be used just for people just to do grandstanding, you know, just to say, hey, look at me, blah, blah, blah. But I think a couple of things that need to happen in today's world, and of course, it's not just one person, it's not going to be just Tyler and Damon. But like I said, it has to start with teachers. Teachers can, you know, help, you know, preach about race, ethnicity, to prioritize preventing racism through social, you know, justice and basically cultivate teachings and, 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 and other people's backgrounds. Now, do you, do you think that, because you were talking about how you or I can't make a dent, right? And no, 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 no. I say we can make a dent. We, us alone can't fix the whole thing. Right. We can't fix it, but we, we, you know, I feel like a lot of times people don't act because they feel like they can only make a dent because Mm -hmm. they feel like no matter how much energy they put into something, it's not going to change. Right. And not to make, not to change this into a political conversation, but you know, there's a lot of voices that say if we went to all at home battle balloting in this next election, that a Republican would never win ever again. And that the reason why so many Democrats and most of those are millennials are not showing up to the polls is because they feel like they their vote doesn't count. So in that sense, do you feel like inaction is happening because people don't feel like they can actually make a difference? No, I don't think it's that. I, I, I think I think people are trying to wake up the other people who aren't realizing it 
or who think that it doesn't exist. And the more the merrier, man. Like once people come to the grips with the real definition of racism, then they can stop denying that they may have racist ideas, that they may be supporting racist policies, that they are doing nothing in the face of racial inequity. So what I'm saying is, bottom line is, people are, I don't know, I would actually say this, we are looking and headed towards making a change, but it has to be everyone. It has to be everyone, man. It's because the reason why I said is we are going at least in that direction, whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's because people are fed up, man. People are fed up. So, so a couple of things need to happen, man. We, we need to support others. You know, if you see or hear someone being racist towards someone else, you can help by supporting that person, you know, get others involved. Just talking about racism is a big part of fighting it. You could start an anti-racism project or a newsletter or something at your school, youth group or club, uh, fitness club, whatever, whatever, you know, get people talking about it. In addition to self-awareness, like I said, educators must invest in professional development opportunities that increase their cultural competence. We must take the time, basically, Tyler, just to discuss all the cultural misunderstandings and the struggles our culture has faced, you know, and not just our culture, you know. There's other ethnicities that's been, you know, discriminated against through the past. But that's, you know, obviously, you know, things that's going on. But we're just we're just trying to stay on topic, though. Well, and the thing that you said, that's okay. I think the thing you said that that really resonated with me was just listen, get get the perspective from the people who are actually in the trenches that are going through this. Um, And and again, to your your story about your friend, he just wasn't exposed to it. And, yeah. and it's a blind ignorance at this point, because the truth of the matter is, is that racism is here. It's probably it, it never really went away. And I'm and, you know, I I would imagine you probably feel that same way. And I guess the you, you know, you said we all need to pitch in. And the thing I loved about what you said and all those points around education, around groups, around, you know, uh, doing projects around it is that it's all peaceful. Right. And here's, here's one last thing I think that kind of needs to happen. It it sort of disappeared. I think maybe early nineties, I started seeing a change in uh, different communities. And I was actually talking to one of my uh, buddies who actually look up to, He's an older black male. He's in his 50s. And we were talking about, I can't remember the, you know, the actual main things of the story. But bottom line is back in, I think, 92 or 96, there were police, three police officers in Inkster who got murdered. I can't remember the details around the situation. Now, once that happened, Wayne County decided upon themselves to basically change how police departments were being hired. So it used to be back in the day, if Tyler was caught smoking some marijuana, Tyler knew Officer George because Officer George coached baseball. Officer George been around the community. Officer George led the Sunday meetings uh, at church. So he was a focal point in the community. 
So my point is communities used to hire people who lived in those communities. So imagine me, Coach Miles. I coach uh, a basketball team, you know, or, you know, a football team and kids look up to me. Next thing you know, I become a police officer. So my face is constantly in that community. So I don't know. I just really think that helped, too, because it was they're looking at their own people. Not to say that the whole community should be black, but I would say maybe a certain percentage of law enforcement should be from that community of whatever community out there. Well, and I can't imagine the burden it's put on officers of the law uh, that are African-American. Um, it's a hard job, whether they're African-American or not. Like being a police officer, I, I can see both ends of the spectrum because they're just as afraid, you know. But at the same time, I mean, you see what's being done out there. <laughs> Oh, sure. Absolutely. And and that no doubt they have one of the hardest jobs there is. Well, I appreciate you being very candid with me. And I I wanted to bring it up, number one, because I feel like the, your voice needs to be heard and, and more voices like your own. And again, I, I think for the same reason that, you know, I don't want to be ignorant myself, but I also want to educate the listeners on that this is a real problem. And that, like you said, that you know, you, me, and 50 others trying to make a change, that makes a bigger dent than just a couple people trying to make a dent. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're far away from, from making change, but I, it sounds like you're hopeful at least that this will kick off, um, possibly a, a wave of hope. Yeah, it does. And I tried to avoid saying this, but I'm just going to say it. It's, it's not nothing political, but it. I just wish our our president, our leader, will just not just tweet, just give a more unified approach in the matter. So I'm just well, going to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, he's the leader of the free world. <laughs> you yeah, you would. I mean, kind of want to hear from your leader. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, nothing against if you voted for him or not. It's just some of the words that he say or phrases can be very just divisive and it incites more than unifies. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't know what he's saying. I really don't know because I'm not in that man's shoes. But I will put it to you this way, Tyler. If I was in that position, I can make a more prominent, heartfelt speech that can be something that can be built upon. And something that you say because of who you are as a man, but then also because it's coming from the person who's being persecuted. Right. And um, I I think it it leaves a a powerful voice for sure. So I I, am going to totally switch gears because I want to get away from the seriousness. Um, But uh you know, the one thing, Damon, I wanted to have you on uh, for many reasons. Um, I think you're just a fantastic coach. I think you're a fantastic human being, a fantastic friend. And something that uh, is sort of the mantra of this podcast is is be kind, be humble and work your ass off. And if you ask me that you, you fill all three categories across the board. And, and the thing that I love the most is your ability to connect. But in terms of you being a product of the product, I've never seen an individual maintain his health and fitness to the level that you do on a year round basis. And so those people that are out there that 
maybe are just starting their fitness journey, um, or maybe they're they're struggling really hard to make consistent habits to that lead to consistent results, right? Because part of health is consistency. Um, what what are some of your secrets? Um, and if, if they're super secret, like a secret recipe, they don't have to tell me. But um, what are some of your secrets that have helped you maintain your health? Well, um, a lot of it goes hand in hand with um, growing up, always playing sports. So I was always active. But even if I wasn't playing a sport, I was always taught to keep moving. And I think that goes hand in hand with just life itself. Because as soon as you stop moving, as soon as things start going wrong, you know, with pretty much anything, as soon as you stop caring about anything, I mean, that's that's when you're already on your downside. So I have that always in the back of my head. Um, Two, I just want to always live my best life. And what I mean by that is I know that sounds really stupid and cheesy. But bottom line is, man, like I said earlier, we only really get one life. And I don't want to die. I mean, actually, the thought of it scares me. So, of course, I can't control it. But bottom line is I want to stay as healthy as I can, as healthy as I can, and and do pretty much everything crossing the T's that I can to keep my body in shape and so I can be there for my loved ones and be there for my friends and my family or whoever needs me. Because one thing this quarantine has taught me is that I stretch myself too thin. Um, I'm always there for everybody, man. I, uh, I reach out. Uh, my number is, is always ready, available, regardless of what time. So I'm always the one out there trying to help somebody. So I feel like I need my body to work at optimum strength so I can help as much as people as I can before I die, as much as people as I can before I leave this earth. And it sounds cheesy to some people, but that's, that's just what motivates me, man. And I think that goes back with the whole you know, thing that we're going on with, with the racism and, and, the you know, inequalities. It's just, I just want to try to help as much as people as I can. And I see what's going on in the world and I'm like, okay, what can I do? You know, but to rear back to my, my health, sorry, I just kind of went on. The t- You're good. No, I get it. You want to make your, you want to make a dent, right? You, you yeah. want to leave a mark like if, yeah. on your gravestone. If it says born this date, died on this date, that dash in the middle is, is everything you're putting into it, right? You don't want to just exist. You want to thrive. It is. It, I, I can sum it up like this, man. Some people aren't living, you know, and I don't want to be on my deathbed and say, dang, did I not jump in that water when I wanted to? Did I not go skiing with my wife when I wanted to? I, I just want to just soak up as much as I can because I don't know what's on the opposite end of that earth. So if I'm doing something that's slowing myself down or making me get closer to death, then to me in my head, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I granted I have some bourbon or, you know, I ate some <laughs> chips or something like that, but every- some bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> everything is in moderation. So as a result of me living and breathing that lifestyle, I look the way I look. I don't care that I have a six pack. I don't care that I can deadlift 700 pounds. To me, that's just, it's just muscle. It's just, it's not important. Like that's not going to help me further my career or make me a better husband. It's just as a result of me living my best life and just not accepting anything. But first it's just, I mean, that's just how I was geared. 
Well, and you've put yourself as a priority, your health and yourself as a priority. That doesn't mean that you don't care about others. You've already said, I, I, you know, it's almost at a detriment, take care of others too much. But um, I know for a fact that your your work ethic and obviously the results that show um, are, are proof that you t- put yourself as a priority and your health as a priority. Yeah. So I, uh, I'll get you out of here on this. Um, so I want to know. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you because um, you have to connect with this guy. Um, he's absolutely amazing. Um, now I'm going to get a million followers sent over to you. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but best bourbon that you've had lately. Hmm. Wow. Just one. <laughs> uh, well, if, if people knew what your bar looked like, um, and I don't know if you have any photos on Instagram, uh, we could talk all day about bourbon. We'll have a whole separate podcast on bourbon. Maybe we'll do a, a podcast on bourbon tasting. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Let me, let, please let me give me three. And these, these aren't even my top three. This is just the best three that came to my head right now. Um, Old Forester 1920. Delicious. Yep. Um, Wild Turkey Rare Breed. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Yep, Wild Turkey Rare Breed. Amazing, amazing. Wild Turkey is actually one of the most underrated, like relatively affordable bourbons out there. Uh, And another one, I give give a expensive one, a little one that's hard to find, but you can find out the Michter's 10-Year. Okay. Well, I like Michter's Rye, so I imagine I would like Michter's Tenure. Oh my God, man! It it is <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> It'll put a little hair on your chest, man. <laughs> uh, well, I have plenty of that already, but I'll take a few more <laughs> if it tastes good for sure. Where can uh, where can people find you? Um, well, as far as occupation wise, I work at Lifetime Commerce, which is uh, right outside of West Bloomfield. Um, Hopefully we open up soon. Um, you could definitely reach me there if you are interested in changing your life uh, from a physical uh, standpoint, aesthetically, mentally, or from a nutritional value uh, way. Uh, like I said, my background is sports. I also deal with a lot of people with uh, weight loss goals, but I would classify myself as a mind coach as well because everything starts from the mind. Um, you can also find me on my Instagram uh, fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S, Titan, like a God, T-I-T-A-N. So fitness, Titan. Like a God, he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, brother, and I appreciate being very candid and open and honest. Um, oh, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. Fitness, oh, sorry. Under, fitness underscore Titan. I keep forgetting about the underscore Okay. Well, we, we have to be specific about that because they might find somebody else and I want them to find you. So. Um, but I appreciate your time. And again, I appreciate uh, just what you do for uh, the community. I appreciate what you do for your clients and, and friends and family. Um, you're a good dude. And I appreciate you taking the time. Man, I, I truly appreciate this, man. One, taking the time out. Two, just thinking of me. And three, being present and understanding what's happening in the world, Tyler. So that's just that in itself alone is remarkable. And that truly will will not go unnoticed in my eyes and whoever listened to this. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. 
Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.